0: in our study, if you would just uh, think about uh, his uh, Jeremiah living then and the, he's living in right now when we're looking at chapters 27 and 28, we're looking at the last king Zedekiah before Nebuchadnezzar levels the city. In fact, there's only seven more years and he levels the city. So, it's at the end of Jeremiah's Ministry that is before Israel, before they are leveled, before the city is leveled. Now, in the process, all of that has gone downhill, and the whole time has been among people that, among a nation, are not, not interested in turning around and coming out right. They're in the wrong direction, they stay in the wrong direction. Jeremiah's assignment is not to go somewhere else, but it is to be right right in the middle of them. So here's Jeremiah in the middle of them, and, uh, and uh, he represents God in his awesome grace. And uh, God's trying to help Israel and Jerusalem, Judah, understand uh, that uh, if they don't turn around, uh, what's ahead? And so far, and all the way to the end, they aren't going to turn around. So here's Jeremiah in the middle of that. And he's there, and he's all alone. So if you're looking for friends or neighbors or family or whatever, he he doesn't have anyone there. There's no notice of anyone. The ones that were Ezekiel, Daniel, has gone off in the first batch, 605, and... And 597, Ezekiel's gone, so the people that are there are gone, and Jeremiah's there. Now, in the process of that, you know, you know from just plain just plain common sense, that the, we're told that the world, people, if you don't know, the Lord as your savior, you do not have any life. You are in a state of death. And being in a state of death, you are in a state of darkness, darkness. And darkness is darkness. All all of the you can't you can't tell darkness to be light. Darkness hates the light. It rebels against the light. And the only way, and and it can't hold up itself. Within, in, in the light, when light is turned on, the darkness is turned off. That's how you turn darkness off, is turn light on. That's how you get rid of it. So if we look to God and we trust God, we receive him as our Savior. And God does a wonderful thing and saves us and brings himself in his awesome person. He is the light of the world and he comes in. And he makes us, he makes us, as it were, as it, if I can... Uh, little, little lights. And in the process, little lights, that's just a little light. Little light. Not much of a light, is it? But do you know, if this room was totally dark, do you know how bright this little light would look? In that dark room? This little light. Now, why do I say that? Because... Because as Jeremiah is on assignment in a national way, we are on assignment in a personal way uh, to represent God. Uh, In the dark world, the world doesn't want any light, and we are to represent God as that little light. So as we look and we put this together again a little better, I hope, maybe, (laughs) In doing it, just remember that Jeremiah is a light in the nation that loves darkness. And therefore, as we go through this, you'll see that. We're little lights at home, at work, at school, wherever we are. We're just little lights. And if you know the Lord as your Savior, you're one of the people. Think of going into a great big crowd And if you could, like uh, angels, like uh, demons, (laughs) like God, uh, they'd know who's who. Who's who? Saved, unsaved, saved, unsaved, saved, unsaved. Now, if you're in this big crowd in there, how many saved little lights are there in the crowd normally? We don't know. But we know there's over 7 billion people, and we know that 7 billion people are little lights. By any stretch of the imagination so therefore therefore as a believer you're a little believer a little light in the world in the crowd at school on the bus at, at work uh, in the home in the neighborhood in the family even you're a little light now Jeremiah help us we're little lights and you're a little light but you're in a great big you have a big assignment we have the same assignment, only it's just different, different crowd, different conditions than you did. Now, so here we share together in Jeremiah twenty-six that they wanted to the wanted to kill him right off the start. So Jeremiah's ministry after Josiah, even during Josiah, the good king before all the bad kings come, uh, they, they want to kill him. Uh, they hate him. Uh, the king hates him. The people hate him. In fact, it says that we share together. Uh, the crowd, way back in the beginning, with Jehoiakim, they wanted to kill him. And if it wasn't God protecting him, and uh, God protected him, which he said he would, uh, Jeremiah wouldn't be around. But God had an assignment, and Jeremiah's a little light. Darkness hates the light and would want to put it out. But the darkness can't put out light. It just can't do it. Now, so we share that together in chapter 27. We share together in the process that Jeremiah goes and he tells the, his assignment, among other things, in the days of Zedekiah, which is what we just mentioned, in the days of Zedekiah, and the five kings, neighboring kings, wanted to go and rebel against Babylon, and they met with Zedekiah uh, in order to bring the king of, of Judah in the same line with them to go, and all of those six of them then would then go and uh, go against Babylon, against Nebuchadnezzar. And Jeremiah, we shared together, put a yoke, made a yoke out of ropes and wood, and he put it on his neck, and he walked, they had the big meeting with the five kings in Zedekiah, and he walks into the room with this yoke on him, and he lets them know that they had all better line up with Nebuchadnezzar and forget the revolt. Don't rebel, because you'll be sorry. And we shared that together in chapter 27. God made it very clear that Babylon was the one that God had put in the place, And uh, you better not fudge with it, don't even play with it, no matter what. You couldn't win if you tried, not when God has done it. So now, here they are, and in the process of all of that, we then went, and Zedekiah, and and he warns Zedekiah in particular, because after all, he's ministering to Jerusalem and Judah. And these five kings are outside of that. So now we, in chapter 28, we have uh, Hananiah. And Hananiah, now Hananiah is from a little town eight miles southwest, northwest, southwest, southwest of, of Jerusalem. So he's a prophet, one of the bad prophets that are saying a whole lot of stuff that should be said. And the people are listening to them against Jeremiah. And Hananiah comes along. And, 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 uh, and here's Jeremiah Jeremiah's in the temple area chapter 28 and, and uh, verse 1 he's in the temple area temple and the, and the priests are there people are coming in and out and here's Jeremiah with this yoke on still <laughs> the big yoke uh, around his neck and, and Hananiah comes charging in here's the big crowd all around you understand that with Jeremiah looking, like with the yoke around him, and they come in, and and Hananiah uh, goes, and he. This is a Jeremiah, but boy, boy, he's going to go against him. So when you come to chapter twenty-eight, and picking up if I can, uh, in verse two, thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, I have spoken, broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Now, here's a prophet speaking on behalf of God. People speak, and this is true, this is right, you know. And they're speaking on the behalf of God. And, and Hananiah says, verse 3, Within two full years will I bring again into this place all the vessels of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried them to Babylon. Remember, that was the problem in chapter twenty-seven. Uh, all the vessels were taken, and uh, and the prophets were saying, "All those vessels are coming back very soon." Uh, Nebuchadnezzar is going to bring them back and so, and 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 give everything back to us. Wow! And could it, we could even win in the revolt? So, but here's this Hananiah coming along. He stands out among among them. And he's going to go and tell them, you have two, in two full years, it's all going to be put back together. That's what's going to happen. Sliding over to verse 11 a little bit. And Hananiah spake in the presence of all the people, saying, Thus saith the Lord, even so will I break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, from the neck of all nations within the space of two years, in other words, Babylon's going to be defeated, Nebuchadnezzar, and the prophet Jeremiah went his way. Now, now, what did you do, Hananiah? Well, you went to you went up to Jeremiah, and you tore off that yoke. You, in the front of all those people, you took off that yoke and threw it down on the ground. Wow! And the people, all oh, you can just guess, cheered, "Yay!" Yay, it's a big thing. Wow, you are going to be all excited in two years. In other words, we're going to have no more problems. We're just going to stay around. In two years, everything's going to be okay. Now, having said that, getting that little bit. So he said, remember now, over in chapter 27. In chapter 27 and verse 16 in the, in the middle of the verse, behold, the vessels of the Lord's house shall now shortly be brought again from Babylon, uh, for they prophesied a lie unto you. So here they're going to, they're gonna, they said everything's coming back, but it isn't coming back shortly. So they said that. And so they had false information. And they were trusting the false information, they were not trusting what Jeremiah said at all. And therefore, they're going to have a failure because when he comes later in chapter 28 with the yokes, uh, with the yokes, I should say, chapter 27, and with the yoke, and when Hananiah takes that yoke off his shoulder and all of that, when he does that, the people are all going to cheer, as it were, because they're looking for a recovery. That's what they're looking for. They're looking, things are missing, things aren't like they used to be, At all, uh, in all kinds of different ways, in in their lives, uh, in their system, in their politics, in their everything. So things aren't the same, and so we're looking for recovery. And we're looking at the local conditions around us, and lo and behold, we become content. We're looking at the conditions that we live in, and we're content. And and if you are new, then history is just now. But if you've been around a while, you've had some history. So the history that is happening right now is one thing. The history that happened 20 years ago is another. And you have never had that. It hasn't happened for you, understandably. So here we are, and the people that knew are new are had some understanding uh, they? it, it isn't the, the conditions are different but you know they settled into those conditions uh, very comfortably and that's the trouble we just settle in and things might have been one way but they aren't that way anymore and we become very much conditioned by the local conditions and we're content with them that's what they were Many things are missing from the temple, from their families, from their friends that have been taken captive or whatever, or killed, uh, but, but they just go, keep going. Isn't that what the history of the world is doing now? Isn't the whole world doing that? If you go back 20, 30 years ago and look at different countries and their conditions, Germany, France, and Egypt, and wherever you want to go, and look back, But they're all basically we adjust to whatever, whatever. That's what we do. I remember when we had the family from Lebanon that came over, and bless their heart, they were raised in the war, raised in all of that. They they got out of bed and went to school, and hopefully they weren't killed on the way to school or whatever. And they came home and bombs and guns and everywhere. That's how they lived. We don't live like that, uh, so here they are in America. We don't live like that, but they did. And it was normal for them. They didn't even think about it. You sleep on whatever you sleep on, you eat whatever you can eat, and and you do whatever you do, and that's what you, it was normal. It becomes normal. That's the trouble. It becomes normal, and we adjust, and we're conditioned by it. Remember, we studied being conditioned. Adjusting is one thing to life, being conditioned by it is a whole nother one. When things start conditioning you to a whole new level, a whole new mood, adjusting is one thing. Understandably, you have to adjust. Uh, when you're 20, you're one thing. When you're 85 or 95 or 105, you have to do some adjusting that you didn't have to do at age 20, but you don't. You understand you have to adjust differently. Now, so here in the process, here's Jeremiah, and here are the people, and uh, they're looking, the conditions, uh, they're content, unfortunately, uh, that they're going to continue, and it's all right to continue and continue with the conditions, and looking for recovery that isn't going to be, and they aren't able to be realistic at all, not realistic. It just isn't in them to do so. now, are they looking to God? No, they aren't. Now, Ezekiel's over there in Babylon, already been taken captive. In 597, here he is over there. And in the process, uh, God is helping Ezekiel because he's a prophet to the Jews that are over there. And uh, he's God's uh, light in the darkness in Babylon. Uh, so when you go, hold your finger here and go with me over, please, to Ezekiel chapter 1. And in Ezekiel chapter 1, uh, you would note, as you do, as you would, Ezekiel chapter 1 and the great awesome vision <laughs> that God gives Ezekiel of the awesome movement in out outer space. All, everything's going on. There's nothing still. There's nothing stagnant. Uh, we think everything's still and stagnant. Quiet. It just isn't. But we think it is. Because it seems to be. But it isn't. It's an awesome movement in all kinds of different ways. Wow. So, but, but, Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 26. What did you see, Ezekiel? And above the throne, a firmament, over the head, the great uh, firmament, like a big arch, that was over, over their heads, was the likeness of a throne, a throne, Jekyll's looking up at this in the middle of all of this activity, was the likeness of a throne as the appearance of a sapphire stone, and upon the likeness of, a, of, a th- of the throne was the likeness as the appearance of a man above, upon it, sitting on the throne. Now, God, how did you encourage Jeremiah, who's seeing he's in Babylon, it's all, you're already caught, into the heart of idolatry, Babylon. We're into that heart. Now, God, how are you going to encourage him? And there's no temple, no sacrifices, nothing's there. Nope, nope. No Bible, nothing. Wow. God, how did you help him? I let him understand that when everything looks like it's missing, take another look. And in the middle of when you see nothing, You'll find in the middle, if you look hard, not too hard, you'll see a little throne up there in the middle of all of that stuff going on. And there's a man on that throne. God's on that throne. And God hasn't disappeared. And God's sovereign, merciful reign has never stopped. God's busy. It doesn't seem like a God. God said, look again, look again, how much is going on. But you, it, you, to look, to, if you want to see me, you have to pay attention that in the, all of the clouds and the storm and everything, there's the sun overhead. No matter how you cut the cookie, no matter how the storm is, no matter how devastating it is, there's the sun on the other side of the eye of the storm. Well, God's always there. So you need to know that. Now hang on, back over to Jeremiah, if you would, and in chapter tw- 28, 27. Well, why not? And in the process now, all these years are going to go by, and 70 years has been predicted, so you can't change that, and and that God, you're going to go and do what you do, and you do what you do because you you have a plan to do it, And you're going to allow Babylon to be ruined. And all the things are going to be taken. What are they to understand, though, early on, which they didn't catch? They didn't get it. They said it. Way back in the front part, Jeremiah chapter 3. And in Jeremiah chapter 3, God... You, you said it to them if they'd just listen, but they don't. People don't listen or read or want to understand. So therefore, they live in there, whatever, they work through it. That's what they do. That's what we do. Chapter 3, verse 16. God said it, you'll remember it. And it shall come to pass, when you be multiplied and increased in the land in those days, the millennium, etc., saith the Lord, they shall say no more the ark of the covenant of the lord neither shall it come to mind neither shall they neither shall they remember it neither shall they visit it neither shall neither shall that be done neither shall that be done anymore no god said listen do you know what in the future you aren't going to have the millennium and the, the, the temple in the millennium. You're not going to have it. It isn't. No. You aren't. What about the ark? No. You're going to have the one, the ark is all about, the wonderful person of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he's going to be the head of the temple. He's in the temple. So are we going to see the lampstand? No. He's the lamp. He's the light. What about the table of showbread? With all? no. He's the provider. What about the author of incense? He's the only way you can worship God. The only way we have to come to God by way of him. Now, having said that, and keeping that in mind, so here's God doing what he does, and and it doesn't require, but we, we, we get caught up in stuff and material things and tradition and everything. We get caught up in it. And the trouble, we get caught up in theology. We get caught up in Christian fundamentalism, in some ways. What do we do? We lose. What do we lose? It isn't about, it's about God. It's about God. And everything what? We shared it a hundred times. All of it, the Bible, everything points to who? The Lord said it. How can you read the Bible and not read about me? He said. You won't understand the Bible. If you don't find me in Exodus, Leviticus, and Leviticus, uh, Exodus, Leviticus, etc. If you don't find me there, you're not reading it right. You're missing the Bible. But I read the Bible. You may read it. If you don't find me in it, that you're missing out. Something's wrong. You can't read the Bible without finding me. It's all about me. It's all about me. I am the spirit of prophecy. I am. I'm going to do that on Sunday then. that Six o'clock in that. Now, in the process, in the process, God, so God plus nothing, God plus nothing is everything. out all right. God plus nothing is everything. If you've got God, you've got everything. If you're going to try to have the whole world, What? Try to have the whole world in your hands like this. Whole world, that's a lot. This whole world. Put it in your hands. And when you hold it like this, and you drop dead, and it's all gone. All gone. Without me, you have nothing. With me, you have everything. I am enough. And that's the whole message over and over Again. So when you have the temples going and the burning bush, do we need another burning bush? No, we don't need a burning bush. Do we need another Mount Sinai? No, we don't need another Mount Sinai. We don't need them. All of it was the purpose, to teach and understand something. And what's it all about? It's about knowing God in a unique and wonderful way. So God plus nothing equals everything. So the ark is gone and the glory of God is gone, but they didn't care. They didn't even see it. They didn't even look for it. God was gone. The glory was gone. The ark is gone. Everything's gone. But don't you guys in, in Jerusalem? It's, it's all right. So there's still some stuff left, as we shared last time. There's still some stuff left. Okay, so God, they, if we're looking, and we're looking at and God, what are you going to do? You're going to help us. Actually, uh, I I don't want to drift, get off here, but actually in God's educating a human heart that wants to be educated, if you want to be educated, what does God do? He does some wonderful things. And did you know, did you know that the time that you find something that's really worth finding is when you lose something that you thought was... You couldn't lose. And that's when you lost it. You discovered something that you find. Hearing, sight, all kinds of different things. When you lose them. Loved ones. But your life isn't about a loved one, is it? Is it about a family? No. No, it isn't. But we lose. And we discover what? God is still God. And everything that counts is still there. I think that's awesome. But how did I ever learn that? By losing stuff. Losing all kinds of things. People coming, going. It isn't about that. It's about a great God who loves us and gave himself for us. And when it's all done, that's who you're going to be with. It? Who else do you think you're going to be with? <laughs> I, I want to get, let me see if I can even get to that. Now, in the process of that, God is all-wise, all-knowing, in his wonderful, wonderful management. And uh, God is, uh, all, is taking care. Everything's happening around, centering around the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Uh, God is allowing all things to exist. Because the sin of Adam and Eve, etc., has happened, but God covered that before they were ever created, uh, before anyone was ever created, and Christ died on the cross to save in a most wonderful way. Now, having said that, God allows all kinds of things to happen in life because the humans are doing what they do, and they do what they do. That's what they do. So, here we are looking, God, and uh, you're going to go when you do over to chapter 27 of uh, chapter 27 uh, in, in the Jeremiah. And remember, we shared together in 27, the end of verse 5. 27, 5, the end. And you will notice, please. I have made the earth and man and beast that are upon that are it, the ground. By my great power, and by my outstretched arm, and I have given it to whom it seemed seemed meet for me unto me to do. And we share together that little word, seemed meet, is the word to be pleased, to be pleased, to be in agreement, etc. And uh, in the process, God is pleased. It's pleased, it's agreeable to God to go and do what he does. So when he has Nebuchadnezzar rise up to the top, which is the context, as he has Nebuchadnezzar at the top, like no, no other king ever would be, with animals and everything, he's the boss. And uh, God gives him that position. It pleases God to do so. And in the process of all of that, God is doing what he does. It pleases him. And we share together with all of that so that why do we need to know that? Because God does what he does because he's God. That's what you want to know. God isn't going to sit there and wait and wonder what to do or how to do it. God, are you watching at all? I am. I am. I am. But I only move when it's the right time and needed in the right place at the right time. I do it. So God hears all of the things happening all over the world in all the countries of the world in all the families of the world and in, in, in your own neighborhood, in your own city, etc. Here we are. Now God, you're going to do what you do and it's in your good pleasure to do so. And you know the hairs on the head are all counted, etc. And God, Israel, uh, uh, well, I don't mean to... Well, we're off a bit. Uh, over, if you would, to Revelation... Oh, uh, Revelation. Over to Romans... And uh, read, it's a wonderful, wonderful reminder, Romans chapter 11, of God's wonderful care and keeping. And in the process, in the light of Israel, which is what we're looking at, Israel is going to go into captivity by Nebuchadnezzar. Israel is going to be put down at the bottom of the pile. The times of the Gentiles comes into effect. So now God, here we are looking and people, we got to go and and uh, in the process, are you are, are going to let all of the, the things happen to Israel, which you do. And in the and Jeremiah is there to represent. To represent, Jeremiah is going to represent the uh, the will of God outworked. And but who wants to listen to him? So now, chapter eleven, and in verse verse thirty-one. Even so, have he's also now made now not believed that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy, Romans eleven thirty two. For God hath concluded them, them and all in unbelief uh, that he might have mercy upon all. So he, he takes care of the Jews and Gentiles and everybody so that no one's going to get high and mighty about anything. No, it's God just doing what he does because he's God, verse 33. All oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. So God, you're going to do what you please. That's right. That's what I'm going to do. And God, I've said, if I'm there, I'm doing it. Then I'll take care of everything that has to be done. And no matter what happens, you're going to be a little light in the darkness. And that's what your assignment is. And, and the power plant that makes the light go is God in your life. He's the power plant. So here we are looking to God. Now, well, God, God, are we going to get right out of power? No, no. So the only reason that light, the only reason that light is if we turn it off. We have to turn it off. We have to do it. Otherwise, it's on. If I'm going to fellowship with God and represent God and in a hostile world We've got to be reasonable and respectful and doing all the things we should in the right way for God to honor Himself. And not to make God like I had on the phone today. You don't want to make God look like a jerk. You know, you have things, well, God, you have to give in to everything. No, you don't. Some things you just stand up for and hang in there and do it right. That's what you do. And I wouldn't want to, why would I want to go to a church where God isn't, isn't able to be God? I wouldn't want to... Would you want to? I don't want to do that. No, God has to be God. That's what he has to be. And that's what you want, isn't it? God to be God. He does what he pleases. Hang on. Hang on. That's what I want now. So therefore, therefore, in verse 35, Or... or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed, repaid unto him. Again, no one no one had to give to God. God has No one helps God, gives to God anything. Uh, verse verse 30, 35. Uh, in verse 36, for reason, for of him, remember now, of him, uh, he's the source. And through him, everything has to happen because of him, by way of him. And to him, he's the object when everything is done. So, God, why did you do it? For my glory and honor. I didn't do it for our comfort, for our convenience, for our anything. God, what you do is for your own honor and glory. And that's what God is trying to get across to Israel. And God is going to do what he does in his most awesome, wonderful way. And the people need to understand that. Now, the world isn't. Is the world listening? No. Does the world care? No. The conditions are changing and moving and, and uh, in great flux, moving around. But, hey, so we, we have, here we are. So what do we care about China? What do we care about about Iran? What do we care about Russia? What do we care about, you know, Venezuela or uh, Cuba? <laughs> Down there, wow. <laughs> China and Cuba. What do we care? Wow. See? It's just us. Ah. Wow. But everything is moving. We're part of it. And we're going to reap. Uh, We're going to be exercised. All the whole world is, ultimately. So now, God. So therefore, everything is through him, by him, through him, to him. Uh, That all things, purpose, the end of verse 36, uh, that uh, to him are all things to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So God, you're going to do what you're going to do. And you're going to do it in a most wonderful way. And God, we're going to learn to trust you in it. Now, in, in tying it together in the light of the time, uh, and if you would love me, Proverbs 21. Proverbs in chapter 21. Well, we didn't get very far, but hope it got a little bit. You just need to see the circumstances and your little light, just like Jeremiah. Who's a little light in the darkness, and therefore you aren't going to be if you're going to try to live for God and walk with God. If you're looking for friends, forget it. If you're looking for anybody, a man's foes will be there. The Lord said it a hundred times. A man's foes will be that of his what? Matthew ten, of his own house, of his own family. You have to draw a circle. Am I going to run or am I not? Am I going to? Am I saved or am I not? Am I a little light? Or am I not? If I'm going to be a little light, I'm going to be a little light. That's what I'm going to be. Little light. Little light. That's what I'm going to be. Now, therefore, Proverbs 21, you recall God's pleasure that we're looking at, meat, it is fit, his pleasure, his wonderful comfort, agreement with it. The king's heart, verse 1 The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, as the rivers of the water. Interesting. It turneth. He, he turneth it whithersoever he will. And every way of a man is right. There's your little word, right, pleasure, meet, pleasing. Every, the way of a man is pleasing in his own eyes. We, we like what we do. We like how we think. We like how we do anything. Obviously, that's why we do it. But the Lord pondereth the heart. So God, you already know our heart. therefore, we now go, in mind and thought, Proverbs chapter 16. And in Proverbs chapter 16, picking up if I can. And in Proverbs chapter 16, you would recall, uh, in the light of all of the wonderful things, uh, in verse 1, the preparations of the heart, the preparation of, Preparates the heart in man, the preparations of the heart in man, and the answer of the tongue is from God, from the Lord. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the Spirit. So, God, commit, commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Now, having all of that wonderful, wonderful content, then you slide down to verse 33, the end. For the lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing, the judgment of the judge, the decision to be made, the whole disposing, the judgment thereof, is of the Lord. Now you just said to the king, "You're going to do." I let you, I braised you up, Deuteronomy four and seventeen. Uh, and I I take the lowest, I take the high, I take anyone I want, and I have him be king according to the wisdom and knowledge uh, that only God has. And there. So now if I want that king to be king, you bet he's going to be king for however long, and in whatever way, and whatever I will allow, the Antichrist is going to be king, king, as it were. And God will allow that if for the seven years, etc. Now in the process, in the process, the Lord is cast into the lap, But God's going to work it. So that's a personal thing. Your little lap, you're sitting there, you all have laps, and there's your lap. And the outworking of what's in your lap is God's doing in your life. Does God know? Absolutely. Why doesn't God know? If you're unsaved, it won't make any difference. God knows. And if you're carnal, it won't make any difference. Because what's the difference between a carnal believer and an unsaved person. You couldn't tell the difference between them if they were standing in front of you. They look the same. It's only when the light is on. It's only when the light is on. Otherwise, they're both dark. There's no light. So the believer needs to be a believer. And the Lord is cast into the lap. So God, here we are, over to Psalm 115. Here's a little word again. And in Psalm 115, may I pick up please, are in the process. Verse 1, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory, for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Wherefore should the heathen say, the Gentiles, the people that are in darkness, wherefore, where is now their God? I mean, not where is your religion, where is your God? Verse 3, but what do we say? What do we say? Well, look at what happened over here, and look at the shooting over here, and the train wreck over here, and the tornado over here, and and uh, and we got all of that, <laughs> and we we're there, and we we don't have to get caught up in that. And what do you know? What it says? You know what this fellow said about the Bible? You know what this person said? It means, but it may not mean that at all. <laughs> Well they said it meant Well that's right. The whole the fort you count to a thousand, ten thousand, and you hear all the stuff and you just relax, 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 relax. And God does what he does. The Lord is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing is God's. So God, you got a wonderful plan for Jeremiah? I do. You have a wonderful outworking of his life? I do. And here we are in Psalm 115 and verse 3. 115 and verse 3. But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. And that's your the word. God does what he pleases. Now, you're going to tell God what to do? You're not going to tell God what to do. God does what he pleases. <laughs> and God pleased, God is pleased to be your God. How's that? I think that's pretty good. God is pleased to be your God. so when you go to bed tonight, God is pleased to be there. It's your bed, your body, your sleep, and the little light the reason of the light is not is resting because you're sleeping, and the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're saved, is right there, so your heart's beating takes care of all that stuff, it takes care of all that, that you're going to do, and you don't have any control over it in the first place. So God, we're trusting you with all our heart, and you're doing And so people wonder, what about where is God? And what did, Why did God let that happen? Hold it. Our God's in the heaven, and he does whatever he pleases. And if he wants to move a king, and he has a plan for Hitler or Mussolini or Adolf Hitler, whatever it is, God will let that plan happen. Only for his glory and honor and for the outworking. That's why Nebuchadnezzar, in order to what? To bring Israel down in order that they might rise up again. To be believers. Not to be people that are serving with just trying to do it because God said do it. No, they're going to do it because they're looking to God with all their heart. And therefore, therefore, you recall, without you turning there, over in Philippians in chapter 2, you know. And you know verse 7 and 8, Now, Paul, Paul, here we are looking at all the things that are missing. The ark is missing. The temple things are missing. The table of showbread. All of this stuff is gone. But that isn't the issue. Paul, you're a Pharisee. You're a Hebrew of Hebrews. You're zealous to the law. You're a Roman citizen. I mean, you got all kinds of credentials. But you know what he said? I determined to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And in verse 8, I want to know him. And I count everything as dumb that gets in the way of me understanding and enjoying his wonderful person. Anything or anyone that gets in the way of me enjoying God's wonderful person so that I could be a little light in the darkness. That's what I want to be. And God is pleased to do what he does to the believing heart that will let God be God. Remember, Chronicles, I'm looking up and down the whole world to find somebody that will let me do it. That's what I'm looking for. I'm trying to find somebody. Let me do it. I'm looking for them.